Recording. All right. Three. Stay with me now. Two. Okay. Three. Three. Two. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Starting now. Three. Three two. Two. One. One. Go. go. Oh my God, Alex. <laughs> what? You're not counting down in time. What are you talking about? I'm trying to count down in time. Count down with me. Don't. Okay. Okay. Three. Three two. Two. One. one go. go. Oh my god. It's fine. As long as the goes sync up, the rest of it doesn't the fucking matter. The go didn't sync up! Then I will shift it to sync up. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alright, let's let's try it one more time. Let's just do it. Right. Let's just do it on three. Okay. One. One. Two. two three. three. Go. Alright, that's good. Whatever. <laughs> Alright. Welcome to a terribly unsynced podcast, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I will have to make it fine. <laughs> oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Some Nerds Have a Podcast. It is day whatever. Question mark, question mark. Hi. I'm just kidding. I'm quarantined. My name is Alex. Feels- I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we're drinking. Woo. Um, as is as is the custom at the time. <laughs> I have a big old glass of water right here. I'm just <laughs> sipping it down. Is it is it a real tall glass of water? It's a or is real it, tall uh, glass of water. Is it is it a we hate movies tall glass of water? <laughs> no, it's a glass glass. Uh... Oh, okay. Anyway, I haven't, I haven't seen We Hate Movies or listened to We Hate Movies in so long, so I'm not sure what what the reference. That's 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 what they refer to as a uh, the, the 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 devil's lettuce. Oh, they refer okay. As the, <laughs> when, they're, when they're recording out in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. But only in Colorado. In, in Astoria, Queens, Colorado. Oh my God, I went. In none I went of the to, other states where it's legal. <laughs> I went to I went to grad school with a guy that was like, man, after we graduate. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move to Colorado, and we we're like, "Oh, oh, really? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah." So why why are you moving out to Colorado? Is it <laughs> a lot of opportunity out there? And he's like, "I mean, it's it's a cool place. Like, you know, you can do things." And it's like, "Shut up! Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're a frat boy. You want to move to Colorado? Like, just just be honest with yourself and with the world, okay? Like, uh, anyway." It would be more hilarious if you knew what I went to grad school for. <laughs> uh, but you don't, podcast audience, unless you know me personally. I thought you'd mentioned at least some of your grad school history on oh, podcast, but I don't think so. I think I've so. just talked, I haven't talked, I mentioned that I have a master's degree. I talked about how much I've hated grad school. I don't think I've ever actually mentioned what, what, you what studied. I studied. No, I think no, that's correct. That's right, uh, that's right. You, you, have, so, yeah. you have mentioned all the theater history that you learned. In like yes. undergrad, oh, yeah. Yeah. that was a smart investment in time and energy <laughs> um, and money. <laughs> so anyway, um, so what are we all doing on day three million and 
six of the apocalypse. I, I every day bleeds into the next, and I honestly have lost all track of the passage of time at this can we, point. Can we talk about shit that pisses me off? Sure. As okay. one of like twenty nine percent of Americans that is like working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, what like why are we continuing to do meetings? <laughs> Just, why? Because middle management why has America? to has to justify its own existence. Like, oh my god! Like every, I have not. I have been in one meeting where since the start of quarantine. I mean, I've been in like several meetings a week. I think I have been in one meeting that could not have been an email. <laughs> like literally every other. Like I was in an hour long meeting today, and I'm like this. It was. Like, like my manager sent us out the email and was like, oh, this is like our agenda. This is what we're going to be talking about. And then like, there was no new information. (laughs) And I'm just like, what what the fuck? (laughs) Like, why, why could not have this? But like, I feel like if we come out on the other side of this and we don't learn that most, like 99% of meetings could have been emails, that I just feel like this whole pandemic was a waste of time. I mean, again, okay? my, my big takeaway from all of this is that uh, middle management does not need to exist, which, like, I already knew to begin with. Like, management doesn't need to exist at all. Like, if you say to someone, this is your job, they'll be like, cool. And they will go, once you have trained them for that job, they will then proceed to do that job. You know, I, I, all this talk about man, about uh, meetings and stuff, I mm-hmm. actually kind of wish we had meetings or that the or that my supervisor sent me emails or communicated with us in almost any way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's where I'm at. Uh, and we, we, uh, anyway, um, I, I have, yeah. I have noticed though that like at, at my job, which I'm not going to say what my job is, but mm-hmm. you probably know. Um, we don't have a whole lot of meetings with like just our section, and or or with our section and with like higher ups. And I think I know the reason why. The reason why is because if we have meetings with an opportunity for us to talk back, people are going <laughs> to talk back, and people are yeah. going to say like, "Oh, why aren't we getting paid more? Why aren't we? you know all that stuff?" Um, because I've definitely thought it when getting memos from from higher ups. <laughs> yeah and i would yeah, that... definitely bring it up in a meeting if we had meetings so i mean the fact that you can study bullshit like i have a real master's degree but i know somebody who's married to somebody who has a, a master's degree in leadership what so like i feel like do they go to like oral roberts university <laughs> like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> You know, and the fact that you can take classes on, like, business leadership 101 or whatever. Like, I feel like, like, no. <laughs> like, we're done. We don't need any more leaders. Like, w- we're good. We're cool. Um, at least, like, that's been my feeling. I don't know. Like, everybody, like, I'm friends with all of my coworkers on Facebook. And it's, like, everybody's feeling overwhelmed and just frustrated and i mean like i don't know but at the same time it's like we're like i we're lucky (laughs) yeah (laughs) that sounds really shitty it doesn't sound shitty but it's like you know it's like it's it's this weird like tightrope that you have to do with your feelings because it's you know because i know like i know you and i know a lot of other people that have like lost their jobs lost their income because of of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's and it's affected so many sectors. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, that 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 uh, unemployment money is starting uh, next week for me. So. Gotta, Government gotta, wings. Gotta gotta get on that. Did you get your stimulus check personally signed by uh, by President Trump? No, because he has to take the time to sign it. Oh, because... do you not do your deposit? No, I I don't want the federal government to know my bank account. Um. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm lazy, and so they know. But like, I got it last week. Um, it was it was pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. No, I I uh, have to wait for the physical check to come in with Donald Trump's signature on it. Um, oh, fun. I'm so sorry. I, I mean, get rid of it the next day by depositing it in the bank. But that that's what I, I had a thought in that perhaps, like, the reason he wants to put his signature on it is so that his base will, like, not cash it and keep it as, like, a souvenir. <laughs> so that he doesn't you have to pay them. Oh my God. You might not be wrong about that. <laughs> like, and I mean, like, we know that his base of like jet ski salesmen karen's and karen's like these people don't have actual jobs and they require the labor of others to actually work mm-hmm. so they actually probably are being hit relatively hard by this <laughs> keep having those stupid protests yeah no exactly they're like go back to work it's like not me not i me. don't want to go back to work i need my like my golf caddy yeah that's oh my god, those are the worst. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the, sun the best literally say don't yeah, don't let make me cancel my golf season. Like when I'm emperor of the universe, like that's going to be the first thing. Well that, we went on this like beautiful hike that was kind of adjacent to a golf course. Of course, and it was like and the first like Nick like looked out and he was like, the first thing I'm gonna do when I'm the king <laughs> is, like get rid of all the golf courses and turn them into public housing. <laughs> Nice. And like, and so for the, for full disclosure, that is not my idea. I'm pretty sure that was originally a George Carlin skit, Mm -hmm. but I, I, the first time I heard it, I'm like, actually, that's a great idea. (laughs) I'm going to run on this platform. Also, everybody gets a pony. (coughs) Yeah. I incorporated it into my worldview since then, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I'm in charge, golf will be outlawed and all currently existing golf courses will be converted into uh, public housing because they're already beautiful and landscaped. Yeah. I just like the idea of, like, I know I know Alex is trying to get me on the, like, brutalist, um, like, the brutalist high-rise uh, apartment building public housing mm-hmm. train. But, like, I don't know. If, I mean, if we're talking, like, idyllic, like, idyllic whatevers, mm. I mean, like, why can't we just all have, like, little... Two-story Cape Cods, and that could be the public housing. <laughs> Everybody just gets their own little, like, two-story Cape we, Cod. We literally like, had this conversation two weeks ago. On this <laughs> podcast? I'm just saying, like, this is, again, I, this is the hill I'm dying on. <laughs> again, like, time is meaningless. One day is bleeding into the next. Nothing nothing matters anymore. <laughs> um, speaking of brutalism, Alex, did you watch the, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, God. Was it Curio who did the video about brutalist architecture and uh, and control? Oh, that was Polygon. Uh, Polygon. I, I I watched an episode about control a, a long time ago. 
No, it came out like within the oh, last no, couple Kirio of weeks. Kirio did do like the other day. He put out a video on control, and I think um, it did have to do some with brutal historic. No, no, I have not. I did not. No, I, I'd recommend it. It's very good. Okay. Uh, it's basically taught like it talks about like systems of control and like how that's reflected in brutalist architecture it's it was really I, interesting i don't know like like i'm i'm i kind of unironically like brutalist architecture not yeah. Ugh. like why why yeah. because it comes from the idea of like not being pretentious like it's the idea that you can take this thing that's for the common good and you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to. You don't have to be extravagant, uh, and you can still make something that even simply is functional and works well. Um, but I, I mean, I I understand that. I like, guess it started off like the original ideas of brutalism came about as this kind of more you, this egalitarian ideal. You know this as opposed to what it kind of became to represent as, you know, time went on. And I... And that's what I, what's that? No, and that's what I was going to say, is, like, it's... Brutalist architecture has really been weaponized, at least in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, against the lower classes and against people who live in public housing works, you know? And so there is this... You they've They've done studies, and this is kind of, like, information that I'm vaguely remembering from... That time I took history of art history, um, <laughs> where they talked about like you know the public housing works in Baltimore and how they were kind of these like mass-produced brutalist-esque sort of uh, structures, and how like the people who are living there really like internalize this sense of dread and this sense of like my community doesn't care about me because I'm living in this shithole and it's not very pretty. And then as soon as they started, you know, and so it was like people didn't care about the space because the space didn't care about them because a community, it communicated to them that the city didn't care about them. That it was like, you were in the cheapest housing because this is like where we have shoved you off because of all the horrible systems that are, are built up against you in America. And then there was like some crazy, you know, because it's Baltimore, there's a, like fucking white hippies with master's degrees everywhere. Um, <laughs> I went to college with them. No, but, um, no, no, no. You went to college with their kids. That's true. That is very true. Um, so I think my, my college offered like a master's degree in cultural sustainability. That's a real thing. Um, and, but anyway, so they started like doing these studies of like making just the public work sector pretty and like, building these community gardens and what they found was like over time you know like using using architecture and art as a means to communicate to people that you are worthy and that we appreciate you and that you are loved led to people like it improved the morale and improved of the people who live there um so like i i understand like the roots of brutalism but I feel like in, in America, at least, it has been it has been weaponized against lower classes who are, are predominantly brown and black populations. I, and I think it was one of the quotes in the Curio video. I think it was by 
one of the designers for the game, if I'm remembering the video correctly. It's been a while since we watched it. Um, but he was talking about, like, how the, the idea sort of came from uh, staying at, like, this brutalist hotel in, like, somewhere in Europe. I can't remember where it was, like, Italy or something like that. And uh, basically he had this like column in the middle of the room where he was staying and just the thought of whoever designed this building intentionally designed it with this column here in the middle of this room because it needed to be here for the building and fuck the actual people who had to live in there and kind of how that gets incorporated into you know the oppression and the 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 cosmic horror of control itself like that kind of an idea mm -hmm. of buildings as symbols of institutions but like why do we have to have a gala and and this is very much going back to our discussion that we were having two weeks ago it's i guess because i'm a shitty white hippie <laughs> i i have this feeling of like why do we have to have egalitarianism without beauty because beauty is subjective and everyone has different standards of what it is yeah, to a degree, but, like, I think everyone thinks... Everyone that... but you hates brutalism, okay? <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. Hey, there's a whole <laughs> Facebook group of people who love that, okay? Wow, there's, like, 50 people in that Facebook group? Oh, my God. <laughs> there are dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! <laughs> uh, but, yeah. I don't know. It was a good video. You should watch it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Um... I don't know. What else? Like, how? What have we talked about? What did we talk about last time? How long has it been? It's been Mateus? two weeks. One fortnight. I know it's been two weeks, but like, what's happened in those two weeks? I'm honestly not sure. Elise learned that money is meaningless. I mean, that's what the stimulus check told me. It was like, oh wow, these are just these are just numbers on my cell phone. Yep. Like, this means nothing. Money's not real. <laughs> Well, it's it's only real when you don't have any of it. Um, well, unless nobody has any of it. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the rapidly the state we are reaching. That's not true. Bezos has a lot of things. oil. Oil is worth negative dollars now. <laughs> it was worth negative dollars yesterday. It's it's spiked back up again. Oh, it did. Okay, yeah. but it's still really fucking cheap. Um, so it went from like negative dollars to like a penny. It's, Something like a few pennies, but yeah, it's it's now at least in the positives. Okay. <laughs> As opposed well, to weirdly in the net. Ah, fuck, fucking, fucking economies. What would, what would Karl Marx think of this? Like with the, uh, like, would we? How I would he? I feel like he's smoking a whole bowl and being like, "It's hoods, you bitches." <laughs> how, why is he French? I, told, I don't know. I was trying to do a German accent. It's been a while since I took that class. School, okay, like, um, no, but 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 like, <laughs> but like, with the labor theory of value, like, you know, you have something that exists, and through labor, you pull it out and like, you know, commodify it, and that act of pulling it out of the earth and commodifying it somehow makes it less valuable. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's because it's because. That is the value that things actually work at, but it's not the value at which things like these commodities are traded at. That's true. Because yeah. they're traded under the idea of supply and demand, 
And yeah, so yeah. if you have more supply than you have demand of anything like that, to such an extent, then that that's what they're thinking of. It's like making up numbers and saying they have meaning. That's basically all it is. Um, I mean, that's that's all math is anyway. <laughs> I mean, really, we're thinking about it. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Math's not real. That's all I'm saying. Just... Stop, stop doing math. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like, oh. literature deals with things, like feelings. Feelings are real. <laughs> there are things that you can measure. Numbers you can't measure. Oh no, Elise is starting to flick one. Measure right you that's all you do with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you have to measure them with themselves, so therefore they're meaningless. You measure them with like this is one cup of flour. This is you know What does that mean? What does that like... mean? It has a set value. And it can be used <laughs> to bake a cake. Uh... <laughs> Ugh, this is this is just, just Nicholas's MO. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty, filthy English major walking around being like, but what does it mean? I'm just saying, feelings are real. Ugh. Numbers aren't real. I have never seen a number. I have never experienced a number, but I have experienced emotions. Oh my God, you are the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. That is like the most, like, you know, you might as well... <laughs> You might as well change your name to Noah and sell vegan ice cream on the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> Fuck you. That's a death sentence now. I can't believe you told me that. <laughs> so then, the other night you told me that uh, you loved my my rapier wit, even though it's like, <laughs> often used Yeah, but you never you. threatened to like have me die of a pandemic before. Like, this is worse. <laughs> I love you. God, we really need to change up quarantine, buddy. Like, a friend of ours, like, like suggested that. And I was like, ugh. She was like, you know, like, husband swap. And I was like, yeah, but, like, I'd probably murder your husband. And you'd probably sleep with mine. I'm Do you want to take my sister and I'll take Nick? Maybe. I'll, like, let's, let's table that. Maybe. Is it still working? I just get the apartment to myself most of the time. That'd be nice. Uh, <sighs> all right. So two weeks. So today, <laughs> today, what, hey, like what else have we still I'm, done? I'm trying to figure out okay. the date. Still played the animal game. Uh, so, still, still play. Sorry. So you want to April talk about 22nd the animal game? today? So two weeks ago was the it was the eighth. Okay. I have my calendar right here. It's the eighth. All right. So that was be those bef before the Final Fantasy VII remake came out. Oh Jesus! So I've played a lot of that, and that's most of what I've done. Nice. Is it is it, it very different from the original? Yes. While you and... talk about this, I'm gonna get myself another drink because <laughs> I I literally cannot anymore with FF Seven. I did. Can FF off. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I have been playing a lot of it. I'm almost done with it, actually. Um. I think I just got like one more set piece to go through and I was playing it the other day before dinner and I was like, yeah, I'll pick it back up later. And I realized that I can't save in the middle of this 20 minute long set piece for some reason, mm. even though I can save literally everywhere else in the game. Mm -hmm. so I just haven't had the uh, desire to go back and play through the whole thing again. Um, but uh, is it very different? Yes and no. Um, 
in some ways it is like slot like slavishly devoted to the source material to the point where like things where you would think they can't include this thing in there that wouldn't make any sense they somehow found a way to include it in there like the stuff that was like stupid 90s bullshit mm-hmm. is somehow still in there um and it works For like it doesn't feel awkward or forced in like it just it feels kind of natural For in there. For example, to a person who is not familiar with this original game. Um, so, for example, uh, there's a part in the game where you're being chased by soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to do this mini game where you can't get engaged in the combat because, like, the parties split up. And so, like, you can't fight these all this huge force of people individually. So, like, basically, you end up look finding objects where you're walking around and like dropping them on people. Mm-hmm. And it's like weird and janky in '90s. Um, and they kind of fold that same thing into this remake, even though it doesn't really need to be there. And they kind of play that scene. Just a little bit differently anyway, they still, like, force it in there where you still end up dropping stuff on these guys. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm almost, like I said, I'm almost done with it. I think they're doing the Evangelion movies thing with this. Where it's not a remake, it's kind of a sequel in an alternate timeline. Okay. Uh, because, and there's just like little hints being dropped in throughout where like some of the characters, like Eris is saying stuff. I'm going to keep calling her Eris, even, even though they call her Aerith in the game, because I just can't bring myself to say Aerith. Um, in, in the game, Eris kind of says these like, weird things like she knows what's going to happen and like you get things that seem to be flashbacks that show things that haven't happened yet um but if you played the original game you know that they will happen mm-hmm. um and like Sephiroth the main villain shows up at a few points and there's some weird lines of dialogue where Cloud says like you're supposed to be dead um, which kind of makes sense in the original timeline, but it's also like, I don't know if Cloud knows that at, at that point in the original game. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, and in, no, no, I remember what it was because he says that he killed him, which is not really what happened yet. Uh, it's weird. It's, it's very weird. And there are these like, black robed like spectral things that fly around and basically (coughs) if a character is doing something that they didn't do in the original game these spooky ghost things show up and make them do the thing that they originally did it's weird it is that's interesting take it is very weird And, like, at first you think that they're just, like, hallucinations or something. Because, like, the main character of Final Fantasy VII, throughout, like, the first half of the game, is slowly going crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, For a reason that you find out, like, way later on down the line. And so the first time I saw it, I thought that it was just, like, oh, that's an interesting way of showing that. Because, like, 
you know, original 1997 game, it's the screen flashes white for a second and, like, the little polygon cloud is, like, on his knees and, like, shaking his head. And that's supposed to indicate he had some sort of, like, weird, like, fit for a second. And so, obviously, you can't really do... Like, you can you can still do that, but it's, like, it's less impressionistic now, I guess. Mm-hmm. And more, like, realistic. So, it, it wouldn't work quite as well. And so, like, that's what I thought that they were doing at first. And then it's like, no, these things are real, and they're physical. And they're, like, showing up at major points in the game and doing weird things. I'm... Like, so uh, the the vibe I'm getting is, and I may be way off the mark with this, but it's I'm getting time loop vibe. I think I where think it's like these characters, these people are forced to relive the same experiences again and again for one reason yeah. or another. Okay, that's what I was. That's why I was doing the Evangelion movie thing. Okay, I, I didn't but, see the Evangelion movie, yeah, so yeah. But if you if you were to watch the, if you were to watch Evangelion all the mm-hmm. way through, and then you were to sit down and watch the movies. The first movie is mostly just a re-edit of, like, the first, like, five or six episodes of the TV show mm-hmm. with some slight differences. Yeah, I think, now that like, I think of it, you have mentioned it before, yeah. but yeah. It is, I think that's what they're going to be doing here, is they're probably going to be doing three games, where the first one, it's it's mostly like the first part of Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, some little subtle things in there that let you know that it's not quite right. Like, in e- the first Evangelion movie, the seas are red, which happens at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But it's not the case at the beginning of the show. Um, so, it, like, like, these little ghost things. Like, here, I'll give you the perfect example of, like, how this stuff is different. Um, it, towards the end of the game... And this is going to be a slight spoiler. I won't name names for people who have not gotten this far yet. But there's a part in towards the end of the game where Sephiroth shows up at a time where he is supposed to show up. Like, it's the first time you see him in the actual game. Or you're at least the first time of you being, like, really aware of his presence in the original game. And in the original game, he kills this guy like a minor character. Um, and you have this like whole fight afterwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, sh- you show, it shows up, you see Sephiroth's sword through this guy's chest and you're like, holy shit, what happened here? All right. And like cloud recognizes Sephiroth's sword because he knows, he knows Sephiroth. Like they have a history. Um, in the, in the remake, you show up at that guy's where that where you're supposed to find that guy just dead and the guy is still alive and you have this entire scene with this guy mm-hmm. and then you see Sephiroth. Sephiroth shows up, murders this guy, kills a party member and leaves. A party member who lives through the entire game. Hmm. And then you have a you have a couple of boss fights. Or no, you have a boss fight after that scene happens. And one of the weird ghost things flies out of the body of the person who you just see get stabbed through the chest. The party member who died, who wasn't supposed to die. Mm -hmm. And the party member sits up and is completely unharmed. Mm. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, where the hell is it going? So I probably have another hour or so left in it. Um, when I find the time, I will sit down and finish it. I wanted to be finished with it before we finished, uh, before we recorded today, but not quite there yet. Um, other than that, uh, like, the combat system is amazing. It, it, I am a big fan of real-time, or not real-time, but of, like, um, turn-based RPG combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not that. Like, but they kind of fold in turns in such an interesting way that I don't care. Okay. Like, if you're in combat, everything is happening all at once. But you can not quite freeze time, but almost, like, slow it down to the point where it's essentially freezed Mm -hmm. to go through menus of each of your party members and tell them what to do if you want them to do something other than just their basic attack. Mm -hmm. Um... So that's kind of neat. That's a that's a neat little thing. And you can also go and take... Um, so you don't have to play as the same character the whole time. You can flip around to your other party members at any point in combat. Okay. So, like, if one person, like, falls asleep or is, like, bound or, like, incapacitated in some way, you can just flip to another character and play as that character for a bit. Um, so it's sort of this nifty little combination of... Um, Real-time strat, like, uh, not real, like, um, character action game and turn-based RPG that works way better than I ever thought that anything like that would work. Nice. Um, so that's great. Voice acting is great. Like, they got some real talents. And, like, we were looking at the voice cast, weren't we, Elise? And we are like... Oh, my God. It was, like, the girl from, um, Glow who plays, uh, the director's daughter. Mm. Um, is Tifa, is, I is think. Tifa, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John DiMaggio's in it. Like, no, the voice the voice cast is, like, on point. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that game is... I I know that a lot of people who have played all the way through it are really disappointed because it. I, I if my theory is correct, it's because it's not exactly what was being advertised. Because mm. um, they advertise it as a remake, but it's very much like... It's, it is it is it is a remake slash sequel. Again, it is they someone someone saw those Evangelion movies and was like, you know what would work with that? Yeah, like I really think that's what's going on. Well, it was really funny because like my my family got together on Easter. Oh yeah, <laughs> to do like a little like seven p.m. like oh like let's all get on Google Hangout and chat. And uh, so like my sibling, my brother, and Nick are all on this chat together and they just start talking about FF seven. <laughs> like, like, cause Kai and Nick, have, I've like played through, like, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm at this part. And it's like, Oh, well I'm at this part. And my brother who also played FF seven, he's like, yeah, I'm going to wait. Like now that I know what it is, I'm going to wait until all three parts come out. Um, he's like, I think I'm going to wait like a year or two and then, like, wait for a couple of other parts to come out, and then I'm going to buy it all at once, and then sit down and play it through, like, a week and a half or whatever. And it was really, really funny, because they kept talking and talking, and my mother is just like, can we talk about something other than video games? And I was like, Haha, no, we can't, bitch. I'm sorry, I love my mother very, very much. Um. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, I also beat Doom Eternal. Yay! Uh, oh, in very like emergency news, yeah, we're finally out of vodka. 
Hooray! Oh, but now I remember how to make Cosmos, and I'm sad. Oh, okay. And I remember that I like Cosmos, and well, now I'm sad. I mean, when we run out of tequila, you can go buy us vodka and tequila. That's two things that we hardly Ugh. ever drink, but sometimes we make things with them. Sometimes you, just, you need a margarita. It's yeah, that's different. true. It's fine. Um, Jesus Christ, we just spent a lot of money on booze since the start <laughs> of, of quarantine. Yeah. Hopefully this will be the last time in a while, other than that stuff. Anyway, um, Doom Eternal is fucking incredible i have no desire to go back and play it again anytime soon though oh what's that um it's just because like because it was so much more fun to find the secrets in doom eternal than it was in doom 2016 because like traversal was just more fun like the act of moving like i I actually saw a video about it and i was like no that's exactly right where when you're looking for secrets in Doom 2016, that's taking away from the gameplay. Because the gameplay is just shoot the monsters. And then Doom Eternal has, like, way more fun platforming. So, like, getting from one area to another is much more fun in Doom Eternal than it is in 2016. So, I spent a lot more time being, like, like looking at the map looking where the secrets would possibly be and exploring around there to try to find them. So basically I got everything there was to get in one playthrough (laughs) with very little backtracking. Um, But like in like the, the multiplayer is on there and like I've played a few rounds of the multiplayer and I'm like, yeah, that was pretty fun. But I don't know if I'm invested because it's like, it's three-person multiplayer, unless I had two friends who wanted to play it. Like, I wouldn't get involved in it competitively. Um, just because of the the way that the game works and the way that I work in competitive multiplayer games, I'm not a super big fan of it. Mm. Because it's either... The, the way the multiplayer works is you have the Doom Slayer on one side by themselves, and then two... Um, two demons on the other team yeah you, and, you've talked about the, yeah 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 so yeah yeah i thought i did um but for me it's like i like being a part of like a big team where it's like all right well where do i need to go and what do i need to do to help the team win but if it's like if i'm playing by myself as one character then it's like all right well i can't help out a team and if I'm playing on the demon team, then it's like, oh, if I suck and my teammate's great, my teammate's going to hate me. And I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, yeah. So it's just like a psychological thing for me. Like, I played it a few times through, and it was, I will say, it was pretty fun. Like, if, but my mind goblins. Mm, yeah. I just won't let me, won't let me play it. Unless I'm playing with three people who I know and we're just like, bullshitting around for a bit and like it doesn't really matter who wins and who loses Mm -hmm. but i know that people who play video games online like a lot of them really give a shit yeah and i just don't like that kind of environment so speaking of video games that you can play with friends that don't give a shit uh i understand that people have been like in our friend group playing killing floor 2 um, yeah, I've been playing it solo. I haven't played uh, with anyone in a friend group yet. Yet. Yeah, we we're, we're, might do that later. Uh, Possibly, yeah. Possibly. But yeah, so... Did you get it to work on your computer? Have you booted it up yet? Uh, I've not booted it up, but it is installed, so... Okay. 
Because it is, it's a pretty, it, it, it seems to be pretty beefy in terms of, like, like the uh, system that it needs to run on. So you might want to test it before we do something. Okay, I'll test it because my uh, my memory is on my computer is getting pretty stuffed. Uh, mm. So I'll have to, to test it and see. But it should be fine. But what I have been playing... Um, unless, unless there's something else you wanted to add about, uh, Doom no, I mean, that's basically been, I mean, other than work, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, what, we've been watching DS9. <laughs> oh, we finally got to do the, the Trials and Tribulations episode. Yeah. Which is maybe one of the best episodes of television ever. It, like, really holds up. Yeah. It's, it's very surprising. Um, I don't know, yeah. No, like, DS9, DS9's good. Um, I'm not quite sure if I like it more than TNG, but, like, I'm, it's really starting to, like, creep up there. I think I like um, it more than TNG, um, purely because I feel like the chemistry between the characters is so much more believable. sexual chemistry. Well, I mean, not just that, but that's part <laughs> of it. But, like, the relationships between these characters is, like, maybe not more believable, but more like, like, there's more investment in those relationships. They're definitely less professional mm -hmm. than TNG. And it's really interesting because, like, watching, also watching Picard and... Oh, um, shit, we need to finish that. We got to the last episode and stopped. Wait, we didn't watch the We didn't watch the last episode yet. Of Picard? No. I thought it was done. <laughs> no. I thought it left on the cliffhanger. No, no, we had the two, there was a two-parter. Oh, fuck. And then we didn't finish the second part of the two-parter. I two assumed that, like... Like, because it's Star Trek, and Star Trek does that shitty thing where they end a, they'll end a season on a cliffhanger, and I was like, oh, okay, we're at the end of the season. Now I feel really stupid. No, no, oh, we just haven't finished um, it yet. But yeah, no, like, the Picard episode where he goes and sees Riker and Troy, he makes, like, a a, a glib remark about that, mm -hmm. about, like, how professional. He's like, oh, they're, there's my, my new uh, crewmates are all very melodramatic. Um, you know, and then it's like that in comparison to DS9. I'm like, oh yeah, like because everybody on DS9 is obviously flawed. Yeah. In a way that the TNG characters weren't, and I think that makes their relationships more interesting, um, because it does allow. It never started from a place of, uh, conflict. Personal conflicts cannot be allowed. Right, and that was the and that's the thing with TNG is because DS9 was the first Star Trek series to be produced after the death of Gene Roddenberry, right? And then, and Gene Roddenberry, when TNG first got started, was very adamant of, you know, there is no interpersonal conflict in space. Like, nobody argues. And yeah. so, like, even though the writers for TNG kind of got away from that after Gene's death, and that's why that show gets so much better after the first few seasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, seasons one and two are kind of rough. Seasons three through five are amazing. Um, but, like, DS9, like, got started after Gene died. And it is it starts very much from the outset as, like, shit on this space station doesn't work. These people don't get along. Like, there's all this politics going on in the there's background. There's, like, racial tension yeah, there's, between, like, the Ferengi and the Bajoran, the Bajoran and the Cardassian. There's also this uncomfortable, like, 
pseudo colonization aspect with especially at the beginning where it's like you know kira's like i don't trust the federation because we just spent 50 years fighting for our freedom and now this other military force shows up like no thank you yeah (laughs) Um, so it's 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 like there's all these interesting dynamics kind of at play at the same time and so over time you get to see the characters learn to trust each other and learn and then become a really like an interesting found family in a way that I feel like everybody on TNG, as much as they try to be like, oh, we're all buddy buddy and play poker together at the end of the series, they still like emotionally very much keep each other at arm's length. You know what I mean? Like you don't, and and you don't have the same connections are very linear in TNG as opposed to, we joke about them being like one big polycule on on ds9 but it's it's kind of true because like it it makes sense that like miles could hang out with julian or kira or dax or cisco in a way that it doesn't work like that on tng it's like bev and picard have a connection Troy and Worf have a connection. Yeah. Data and Geordi. Uh, Geordi have a connection, but you don't necessarily get a lot of like cross interaction and, unless it's like. And that's like the big know, difference. Forced. That's the big difference. I feel like just from watching the shows, I imagine those writing rooms were incredibly different. Like oh, T- for sure. TNG writing room was here is the threat that they are dealing with this week. Which characters are going to deal with the threat? And there's like, you know, maybe there's a B story and maybe like all of them go in together for like big ones. Like, you know, where the one where Data goes back in time and meets Mark Twain. Like... <laughs> Which just like brings us to another thing. I'm sorry, we were watching, um, we were watching an episode and, and we were like, is this, is this going to be that there's a great holodeck and it's really the only holodeck episode that we've watched so far mm. um, called Arman Bashir. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. were really hoping we saw this episode and it's like, this is going to be the follow-up. This is going to be the sequel. And it ended up not, it ended up going in a completely different direction mm-hmm. entirely. And we had this whole discussion about like, there's not really a lot of holodeck episodes. Yeah. But I think because you have such variety in the relationships you don't need holodecks. Like, you don't need the novelty of... You don't need the holodeck to bring novelty into... into the world of DS9. Because it's like, if you need something refreshing, you just pair up... All of these characters have a reason to interact with one another, and therefore you can always pair somebody up. Like, there's a really funny conversation between Odo and, and Julian. Yes. Um, which was like unexpected, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Odo basically, like minor spoiler, Odo goes to Julian for sex advice. And at first we were like, why him? And it's like, well, he's got the, he's got the bravado of being the ladies man. So it's like, of course you're going to go to him as opposed to like, you know, Miles, the old married man. So. Um, but that was, that's the point that I was going to make is that the writing room in DS9 was clearly which two characters haven't interacted in a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially in, like, the middle seasons. Like, we're starting to get to the Dominion War, where we are right now. But, like, in the seasons leading up to season five, like, seasons 
like two, three, and four, mm-hmm. I'd say. I, I could tell that the writing for those seasons were mostly, all right, which two characters are going to interact, like are going to have a story together this week. And they're usually two sets of two that, yeah, that, yeah. that the, the stories revolve around. And so it's like, you just, you could almost imagine them like throwing darts at a board. And it's like, all right, this week it's going to be Odo and Worf team up and Dax and Bashir. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, and there's like that whole, like, there's a, there's a, a, episode where Rom, who's Quark's brother, teams up with Miles to mm. defeat the monster of a week. And right, right, like, right. That's very much like, okay, what two characters can yeah. we get together? Who can we throw together? Who can we... And they both, like, got serious development in it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that TNG never gets, is those characters in TNG are relatively static. I they're mean, not bad, they're just, like, they don't, they they don't, don't change. change. They don't change. Like, Beverly is very much, like, the same woman, like, you know, Dr. Crusher. She's the same woman when she comes on as when she leaves the series. Riker, mm-hmm. I don't think, really changes that no, much. No, Riker doesn't Troy, change at all. she's the same person throughout the, the entire the thing. The only person you can make a case for, I think, that, well, there may be two. There may be two characters in TNG that I think you can maybe make a case for having arcs. Yeah. And that's Data... And Wesley. Yeah. But, like, even Wesley's arc, it's just one of those things where, it, like, you think it's going one way, and then they're like, oh, fuck, we gotta... Like, they're in the last season, they gotta tie up everybody's, everybody's like, character development or whatever, and it's like... That's not what happened. What? That's not what you happened. Don't think that's what no, happened? no, no. What ha- like, I... Because I know what happened behind the scenes. Mm. What happened behind the scenes is that, like, uh, Will what? Wheaton wanted fucking... Out. Yeah, fucking wanted out. And like was being treated like really shittily, mm. um, and by uh, what's it, what's his name, Rick Berman, because um, oh, Rick Berman's a terrible human being and wanted off the show, and so they kind of wrote him out, and then he kind of kept coming back, and then he was like, "No, I'm just I'm done with this. I'm done." Well, no, he wanted to go to college. That's what it was. Is he got old enough to actually like go to college, and so he went away to do that, and basically just came back for guest spots. And that was but kind of the... then the thing with yeah. Rick Berman oh, happened. Oh, we'll have you go to Starfleet, because like, we'll you're going you... to college in real yeah. life. You can so go, you're to going to Starfleet show. And now it's, no, it's like, oh, no, you pissed off Rick Berman? No, now the Traveler is coming, and you're just going to go off with him. Yeah. Like, you remember that? Like, yeah, remember, yeah. Like, his... oh, okay, so that's why. Because he drops like, out of Starfleet. Yeah, he drops out of Starfleet. Because I was like, that's, like, one of the things, but it was, it really came out of left field, and it was very, like, very much a nosedive, and very, like, a 180 from, like, there's no lead up to that. Like there was no like even seeds or hints. And yeah. so that's kind of the, yeah, the other nice thing about DS9 is like everybody's, I mean, except, well, the actress who plays Dax gets like really fucked over and yeah, contract by, and negotiation. By Rick Berman. By Rick Berman. <laughs> Fuck Rick Berman. Person. Um, but yeah, so no, I think that's like, I think TNG is very comforting. Yeah. But like, DS9 is the better written I'd agree show, especially from just looking at character relationships. And like, and the other thing too, I think we were commenting on it, um, like season five Bashir is a very very different different person from season one. But it's a logical progression of his character as opposed to being like, like, oh, this came out of nowhere. It was like one of those things where it was like slowly over time it made 
more and more sense that he would become less idealistic and more grounded. He becomes less naive and has less bravado and becomes a more, I don't know, like he never becomes jaded. No, but, but there's a, there's a maturation to his Mm -hmm. character. Whereas like, I think if he was on TNG, it just would have, I don't think it would have happened, you know? The same way. So, I don't know. So, DS9, like, I was not a believer for a really long time. Um, Like, Nicholas is not the first man in my life to have tried to make me watch DS9 from the beginning. Um, But you're the only one that that followed through, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'll I'll say this. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. And, I like, I wanted to because I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard, like, a lot of things that we said tonight. I've heard other people say. And... That's kind of like I'm coming to that same conclusion of like, yeah, no, this is I think it might I know I'll I will I will step back and admit I have not watched all of Star Trek. I've never watched Voyager. I've never watched Enterprise. Um I haven't watched Discovery yet. We, as we just said, we haven't finished Picard. We, we have one episode Picard. left. I thought you knew that. I'm sorry. I really thought it was doing that thing that Star Trek does where it's like, eh, I don't know. We'll just like Leave off, leave off on a on a two parter. They'll come back next season. Um, but like we, I of the Star Trek that I've seen, at least the the, the TV Star Treks, I think it's the best. Well, like, it sounds like, like sounds like I have some catching up to do uh, with yeah. that because I I have not been keeping up with it with you guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but that's that's most of what we've been doing. I think at least you have any more thoughts on Animal Crossing? it's fun i actually read a really interesting i read a really interesting article on the atlantic Mm. um which i don't know how you two feel about the atlantic not very good um that's fair it's very like i don't know middle of the road politically yeah Yeah. i'd say that's so Um, middle of the road for america which means that it's like it's like center way far to the right of me (laughs) yeah uh my only thing i know about the atlantic is that i was once uh talked into buying a subscription by someone who went door to door selling subscriptions. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but so I read I was like I don't know, I got into this like slew um my news updates that I get on Google now are like half about COVID-19 and half about Animal Crossing. Yeah, that also sounds about right. And uh cuz I keep like clicking on them and I'm like, "Oh, like I need to stop doing this. I need to stop fucking up my my recommendations." But, um, but anyway, so I was like reading this, this article in the Atlantic and it was talking about how it's, uh, so the thesis, I think this is kind of interesting. I still have it on my phone, so I'll, I'll bring it up. But, um, essentially the thesis is like, it's not the, like, a political, um, game that you think it is. (laughs) um so it's 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 called the quiet revolution of animal crossing oh my god and, <laughs> i hate um, it already <laughs> it is it isn't escapist it's political um but basically the argument is like so i don't know like essentially the the thesis it's by this guy who's kind of like oh Maybe we don't need to work to get money. And maybe everybody should have... It's like one of those things where you're like, 
oh my god, they're getting closer. <laughs> Are they accidentally discovering leftism by way of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they're, like, through Animal Crossing, he is, like, accidentally discovering um, the economic left. <laughs> um, basically being like, oh, maybe, like, everybody could have a job that they liked, and maybe we should just provide housing and, like... Just pay us back when you can. No interest, like... And, like, maybe, you know... If people don't want to work, like, that's okay, too. Like, there's no new, real reason that people should have to work. And you're just like, holy fucking shit. Like, is Animal Crossing going to be the thing that, like, like radicalizes the libs? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, he's like, oh, you know, yeah. Like, maybe I should be able to just, like, collect seashells and, like give them to Timmy and Tommy and get the bells that I need to buy whatever. And maybe if I want to live in a, like, a tent in a state park, as long as I'm not a dick bag, mm -hmm. maybe I should be able to do that. And you're like, huh, okay, yes, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. And it's like, I don't know. It's, does he it's have, a really fascinating article. Does he uh, have the classic, uh, and then like backpedals away from it at the end? <laughs> Because that's um, usually what happens with those people that, like, accidentally come across leftism. It's yeah. Like, they get so close, and then they backpedal. It's, um, I don't know, it's been a minute since I've read it. Mm -hmm. It's been, like, a couple of days, so I don't remember. And because it's the Atlantic, it's like, oh, we hope you enjoyed your free articles. I'm like, but I already read that one. Like, just let me go back to it. <laughs> um, it's not letting me, like, pull it up at the end. Um, but, yeah. Um... It's it's pretty interesting. I don't know. So look up the quiet revolution of Animal Crossing, which then led me to like the end of American Childhood, which is like a forty minute really depressing ass read. Mm. Um, that was the one that I posted on my Facebook. So gotcha. Basically, spoiler alert. This is like really. This is like really far out for the Atlantic guys. Like this is <laughs> this is a really good issue. Um, so spoiler alert, the end of American, um, or the end of, the end of childhood is because of capitalism. Yeah. Effectively is like the conclusion that they come to it is like, oh yeah, I guess like, I guess it makes sense that we, it, cause the thesis of that article, I'm sorry, I'm like talking a lot about the Atlantic. Like, You're fine. I can, That's fine. Are you, are you okay with this? Like, are y'all fine with this? It's fine. It's fine. I'll have my opportunity to talk about things. You talk <laughs> about things right now. Okay. Thank you. So, um, but anyway, so so two articles from the Atlantic that I I'd like to recommend, um, the one about Animal Crossing, and then the one, um, the end of the end of childhood, or what happened to childhood, or something, and um, it's talking about the like the rise of anxiety and depression in children and uh, teenagers, and one of the arguments they're like, well, you know, a lot of people say it's cell phones, and that's part of it, maybe. But the other end of this is, like, um, the accommodating parenting style. And basically, like, instead of having a child, like, instead of having an argument with your child, you just sort of give in. Like, you just sort of appease them. Um, and it's like, okay, like, or you accommodate, like, whatever anxiety or fear that they're facing rather than, like, making them face it. And, um, and it was talking about, like... Not necessarily that people are doing this out of any sort of, you know, you know, like, 
oh, they don't want their kids to like, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps or these like, you know, bullshitting, accommodating, like lived whatever's. Um, it's very much of like, well, you know, for a lot of parents, it's like, you know, like the, the reoccurring theme was I get like an hour, maybe two with my kid and I want that hour to be pleasant. And so I'm willing to accommodate these other things. But the reason why I only get an hour is because I'm commuting to a job that's too far away so I can afford to live in a house because capitalism has made me, like, give up all of these other things in order to live, you know? And it's it's kind of like, yeah, it makes sense that you cut corners because you're constantly stressed out and you don't have the bandwidth to parent. Mm. essentially and so I, it was a really interesting take and it was one that I wasn't expecting because I don't know like it's I don't know why I'm really interested in reading even though I don't have kids and probably won't for like a couple of years um but I read like a lot of parenting articles and that was like that was like a take that I had not seen before mm. um because most of them are that bullshit like pull yourself up by your bootstraps like you're just like, you don't like use spoil, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of nonsense. And this one was really like, oh, it all ties back to, it all ties back to capitalism. Like it all ties back to like our really shitty society. And that's why these kids, that's why these kids are growing up with anxiety. I, I mean, if we're going to look for the silver lining to anything right now, I feel like if, if anyone is ever going to understand that like, capitalism is a fundamentally broken system that has never worked for anybody except for a very small minority of human beings for whom it has worked extraordinarily well, then nothing but this will do that. Like this is the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that I feel like people are like, like you're saying like the coalescence of animal crossing <laughs> And COVID-19, it's like, yeah, capitalism is stupid. Like, <laughs> how many people are forced to stay home for health reasons? Like, I don't know. I hope people are realizing this. I I, I got into it with someone on my, like, a former coworker uh, on my Facebook where I, I posted something about, I can't even remember what it was at this point, but it was something about, COVID-19 and, like, motherfuckers wanting to, like, reopen the economy too early. And I, basi I basically said at one point, like, yes, it's almost like someone's ability to live should not be a tie to their ability to work. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. It got, it got, it got kind of nasty after that. But mm. that was, I, I still feel like, Hopefully, people will take that lesson away. Because right now, people are seeing that, and the the what they're, they're instead of that, what they're seeing is people should be free to work instead of people shouldn't have to work to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but well, I it's, mean it's, the 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 also the the very poor optics of the um the reopen protesters. Oh I think God, is, is just like not helping their case at all. Of course. No, 
Because did you see the guy that literally had a sign that said like "sacrifice the week"? Yes. What? No, I missed. Might have been a troll, but it was like a bright orange poster board, and it said "sacrifice the week, reopen Tennessee." Oof. And it was just like, oh, buddy. And I'm like, fingers crossed he's a troll and he's trying to, like, say something. Because if that's what you really believe. I I did see that overtly anti-Semitic one, though. Oh, Lord. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing is that you have the Proud Boys out there protesting this. So, yeah, it might not even be a troll. That might just be... Yeah, that, yeah. that might be what they really think. Did did anyone else see the one that I'm referring to? That that one that's like super duper overtly anti-Semitic. The yes, I did see that one with the the rubbing hands. No! Yeah. Oh my God! There was another one. You, yeah, it was it was something about like a Jew virus, and there was oh. like the big nose guy with the yeah. So oh Jesus! The one the one that I saw said um. Who's also a Jew? Yeah, the one the one that I saw was like. Uh, there's only one real plague, and it was a picture of a rat with a Star of David on it. Yeah. That was the one that I saw that I'm like... You know, you know great, if you're though? on the side of Nazis, you probably need to re-examine where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's really great, though? They're all gonna die of corona. That's true. <laughs> like, not to that sense. But like you know shitty. what? You know what's shitty about it? I don't want it. anybody to die, but... You know what's shitty about that, though? What? You know what is, what's shitty about that is that they're going to infect other people before yeah, that happens. Yeah, they're going to infect, like, the poor grocery store worker who just, like, wants to go the fuck home and, yeah, slash this person's tires. That That is, like, the scary, shitty part. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, they're all going to die. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's bad. Death is bad, probably. Look, all I'm gonna say is Donald Trump hasn't gotten it yet. Boris Johnson seems to have gotten yeah, over Nick it. Yeah, Nick still doesn't believe in God. Yeah. That was like the first thing he said when we got quarantined. Was like, listen, if like Trump goes, if Trump goes, if like Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, who Mick Mc, Mick Mitch McConnell, McConnell, yeah, he had like a list. He was like, if any of these people go, I'm I'm believing in God. So, you know, like, Jesus, you got your cut, work yeah. cut out for you. Like, make it happen. <laughs> make man. it happen. Come on. <laughs> I've made my terms clear. Yeah, Bolsonaro seems to have not actually yeah. got it. Man, Bolsonaro is the one that, like, that freaks me out the most. Because as on the most recent episode of Chapo Trap House, they pointed out so well that... Uh, Everyone that Bolsonaro has ever met has coronavirus, and somehow he doesn't have it. Uh, apparently from yesterday, BBC article here says, uh, corona- uh, pres- uh, Brazil President Jair Bolsonaro has come under criticism for his response to the coronavirus, uh, most recently for attending an anti-lockdown rally where he is seen coughing without covering his mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, you did see that that, uh, that uh, uh, Alex Jones was at one of those rallies and was no. like shaking hands with people. The listen, the Earth will take care of itself. We are the virus. Oh my God! Shut up! <laughs> don't even bring don't Fuck even that bring bullshit. that into this house. Get that eco-fascist shit out of here. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, so, so what have I been up to for the past? Yeah, few what weeks? have you been up to? Yeah, yeah I, girl, why don't you talk to us about your life? 
So I've been up to a fair amount, actually. Um, so two weeks ago, after I think it was mentioned in the podcast, uh, I went ahead and borrowed uh, your copies of the first two games. Oh, of yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix Wright! And That's right, I did let you borrow those. Yeah, uh, I am now almost done with both of them. Uh, okay. So that's that's how long it takes me is like, you know, one game a week and I'm good. Uh. They're both pretty short games. The main reason I haven't actually finished the first, well, there's two big things. First is I've been playing other games. Mm-hmm. And the second is the uh, con- one of the controllers for our Switch has broken. Uh-oh. Um, I ordered I ordered new ones, so yeah. and not from Amazon. I yeah. mean, I don't know. I don't know what from GameStop, like, which is almost also, worse. Yeah, I know. I just I don't know what I'm doing. It doesn't there's, matter. There's no what what do we say? There's no there's ethical, no ethical con- consumption <laughs> under capitalism. Let's say it, everybody. Yeah. There's no ethical <laughs> consumption under, under capitalism, capitalism, which is why you can eat a Chick Fil A. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I I still am in the last game. I haven't been playing it but that's the main reason once those joy cons get delivered i'm probably going to finish up that first game nice. anyway which which ones have you gotten to in that first game uh i'm on the last case i think okay so the one that was like added in extra yeah okay yes yes um okay yeah so so am i the did you okay so I know I've come across before on this podcast with an anti-shipping stance. Okay. But. <laughs> uh, yes. That's a big old but. Uh, Lana Sky and uh, Mia. You know, I didn't think about it before, but now that you've said it, I mean, Mia's dead, so it's kind of hard to. It's like, kind of hard to ship them in the in like for any future interactions. Maya. Mia. The Mia. one who's alive, or the Mia one, the one kind who died. Yeah, the we one try who not dies. Sexualize her. No, no, no. The the one who's dead. The one, the one who, uh, was like Phoenix's teacher. Yeah, and they kind of they went to school together. They right? went to school together, and there's a line that says, "And I was very, I, and that's what attracted her to me." To which yeah. then the younger sister pulls in and says, "Intellectually," and I'm like, "Uh huh, uh huh, sure." <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so I, I liked, I liked them a lot. As you can probably tell, I've been playing through them all. I'm almost done. I'm actually, I've got one last game, one last, uh, one last case, one more case, one more case on the second game. Uh, and I will probably actually order the third game because I, I can't get enough of this. There's also, just so you know, there is also, um, there's another entire series. There is. There's the uh, Apollo Apollo, Apollo Justice. Justice. There's Who's... the the Edgeworth game. Yes. Uh, I've never played any of those, so I don't. I can't say how good they are. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll have to see uh, when I, if I get to those. I don't. Know. Are they all for the DS? Because that's all I have is a DS. Yes. Yeah, they're okay. all for the DS. That's why like, I'm a little bit, bit disappointed that the spinoffs and sequels like didn't get put on to the Switch yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I do still have my DS, so I probably could if I wanted to spend my time tracking down used games. I could probably do that, but... <laughs> yeah, I I spent some time on like the on the, the wiki looking up like lore for, for the games and for, I guess, the show and all the, the other media... And it was like, 
weird how how much lengths how many lengths the um localization team went to make it seem like america against yeah. all odds of it not actually being america yeah because i think it's in one of the i think it's not in this game but in the next one that they stayed out say that it's in what san francisco or, or los angeles or something like that uh, oh no, no no it's a made-up city no i i thought it mentioned the specific city in california but it's I'm pretty sure it's it's like called like San Fran Tokyo or something. Let me look this up. I'm That's, I'm like pretty sure it's. I think you're thinking of Big like, Hero Six. No, I think I'm thinking of this too. I think it also has Los Angeles Ace Attorney fandom. Oh, Los they Angeles. do in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought it was like a fake. I mean, what what they do is they they had it's a different timeline. Like in the lore of Phoenix Wright, it's a timeline where like the like the ja the Asian Exclusion Acts never happened, and so like like do they real? I never realized that. Yeah, so it's like an alternate universe, a Los Angeles, in which Japanese culture has been allowed to flourish and blend into American culture instead of being met with fierce historic resistance in real life. Um, and they say this, although elements of East Asian culture, such as Japanese restaurants and Japanophilic fandoms, are a common sight in North American cities in the real late 2010s, this was not the case in the early to late aughts when the game was originally released outside of Japan. So it's like, well, we clearly, like, this weeaboo stuff's not going to catch on. we got to make um, California seem really weeaboo. And they, they like, yeah, there's a bunch of mentions. Uh, there's a mentioning of Jake Marshall from... The, the one that you're on. Uh, have you met... You've, you've probably met him, the, the cowboy cop guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He mentions being from West L.A. Um, so, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, that's right. They do say that, don't they? Yeah. Um, but, like, no, I was looking at, at the Phoenix Wright timeline, and they talk about, like... And then this piece of legislation that I'm forgetting was not implemented. Uh, and as a result, Japanese people were not, like, stripped of, of their home. And so it's, like... They go out of their way to really make this 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 place <laughs> be America, but also be Japanified. Yeah, it's really it's really strange. It's really strange, and that's probably and that's one of the reasons why it took so long to get them released because the game was originally released in Japan in like two thousand one, and yeah. it didn't come out in the states until like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, because I definitely played those games in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember people playing it when I was in middle school, which was around then, and uh, it being a big thing. But, like, yeah, and, and I remember people talking about how, like, there's a new Phoenix Wright game. When are they going to release it? Well, we have to wait another six years for them to localize it. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, yeah, so, so that's that's what I've been doing with that. And that's, like, my in-between work, like, my work from home that I'm still doing for the time being. Um, yeah, and it's like well when I'm taking a break and like using the restroom or something, I pull out the DS and and go there. Um, but what I've been you... doing? What's that? Sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Right. I was gonna ask if you have played the uh, Professor Layton games. I have not played Professor Layton. No, although I do know that there is apparently a crossover Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright. Yeah, thing. I've got I've got one or two of those. I think I can't remember if I wound up with them. I'll have to look. Um. Uh, but you would probably enjoy those games as well if you're liking Phoenix, right? Probably. 
I need to play more DS games because I've had this DS for years and I've never used it. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this was something that my ex gave me and like I just had because I was like, I, I kind of want to play some games at some point and then never got around to it. Um, and so now that I have all the time in the world, I can getting around to it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I might, I might check out the Professor Layton stuff too. Uh, I, I'll see if I've got any of them. I I know at one point I had the first two, mm-hmm. maybe three. I'll see which ones I have left now because this was at a time when I lived with another person. And I think maybe she wound up with them, but I, I wouldn't swear to it. So I'll check. That's fine. Thank you. you. Don't say your ex. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're married. That's I true. won. You did win. <laughs> but... Um... Oh. <laughs> but what i've been kind of sitting down and playing for the past like almost week now um when i'm not like when like at, at night uh, mm-hmm. is xcom 2 okay uh, because I, I saw that there i i decided that i was going to finish xcom before i played xcom 2 because i had it for a while now and i tried to play xcom and i realized that my save was like in the final level and my late my loadout was not going to win that final level um, so I, I decided, fuck it. I'll just, I'm, I'm basically done with the game anyway. I'll move on to the second game. And it doesn't really matter because the premise of the second game is that you lost the first game. Um, yeah. And as most people do, <laughs> cause that game is fucking hard. The second game is a lot harder than the first game. The first game I was able to, to get to the final level. Uh, this one, I'm not even sure I'll finish it, um, on my first playthrough. It, it does a good job of kind of getting the um, the dread of, like, the clock going. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the first one, you can kind of, like, take your time. You can kind of, you know, once you get, you know, countries on your side, you if, especially on, like, the normal difficulty. Like, I'm sure on the harder difficulties, it's going to be more difficult. Obviously. Obvious statement of the year. Those things usually yeah. tend to be. Um, but, like... But like with this one, even on just the normal difficulty, I found myself getting further and further like down the 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 road of the villains' plans, and I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta I gotta act now, otherwise they're gonna win in like two two months. Um, so I had two uh, two in game months. Uh, so I had to to kind of work that around. But I'm enjoying the the gameplay of it. I'm enjoying the um, the the kind of the tactics part of it uh less so the kind of overworld um mm-hmm. it it has a lot of things where it's like you you can't do everything and i want to do everything uh, you have <laughs> no, to you... that is that is not that game that is not the XCOM games no you have to prioritize what you want to do um otherwise you're gonna lose and it's like but but there's this thing over here we could do and this thing over no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prioritize. I'm like, fuck. that's why I can't play those games. Uh. That's that is the main reason why, because I want to do everything, <laughs> but I want to try to do it, everything on a single playthrough. Mm-hmm. Like, I with going back to Final Fantasy VII for a second, I found out that there was something big that I missed in Final Fantasy VII in the remake. Um. And like, there's a there's a lot of stuff in that game that I did not realize I could do until towards the end, and I'm like, 
man, I missed all of this stuff. I'm so upset. But the, 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 the thing, the only thing that's kept me going with it is that I know that once I beat the game, there's chapter select mm. and so I can go back and play certain sections of the game again. Nice. Um, I think we had the similar conversation to this when we were talking about like, uh, darkest dungeon. Yeah. I think you'd mentioned something like that. Cause I was like, fuck that game. Like it's, it's a great game, but fuck that game. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, going back to XCOM 2 for a moment, the, um, no, it's out of my mind. Never mind. Um, oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. I've been, you know, despite that, I've been enjoying it. Ah, now I remember. Um, so I also, another reason why I don't like XCOM games, uh, or I do like XCOM games, but I play them wrong is because I cannot accept characters dying. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, so that is why I do the shittiest thing that you think you could do in a game like that and save after every turn. Save scum. Yeah. Just do it. So, so I will save scum the shit out of a, out of a battle map. If I think that it will help me to lose the least number of people. I, uh, I, I, um, I resent games that don't allow me to save scum. <laughs> I am not sorry about that. Like, no, no. That's why I can't play Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> I'm just like, no, fuck it. I like these characters, even though they have no personality whatsoever. And they're just blank slates. It's like the fact that any one of them might randomly die at any point in time gives me so much anxiety that I can't play that game. Yeah. I, I can, I can probably, I can usually handle it if it's like a game, like a roguelike game where. Yeah. Roguelike games are different though, because yeah. like they're supposed to be done in like single runs, mm -hmm. not something like XCOM where you're playing it for months and then like, well, you can't actually win now. Do you want to, it's like a, of like, like killing an important NPC in an old Elder Scrolls game. It's like, do you <laughs> want to keep playing in this doomed world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think, I think the the last time I let characters die was because it was like the best scenario of all the scenarios that I had run through. Yeah, and it's like you know, half the party died, but we finished the mission. Um, whereas before, everybody died. <laughs> <laughs> um, or we had to quit the mission, which just was a no-go anyway, because uh, then we would have lost the game. But yeah, it was it, it's it's a game that I am enjoying just kind of on that level, uh, despite all that. And if anyone calls me out for being a coward, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but that's just me when it comes to playing that game. Uh, and the reason why it kind of came to mind was because apparently there's a new XCOM game out. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard something about that, yeah. Yeah, it did like a, a soft release where it was just like, here, a new XCOM game. And uh, it's it's like takes place after XCOM 2 where, you know, you do win, uh, but you play as like a cop, like you're, you're playing as cops in a city where you have a squad of mixed, you know, aliens and humans. That's and it's weird. like it's like integration cops. It's like we need to integrate. It's uh, uh it's RTS uh or I guess turn-based strategy version of like Alien Nation or something. Alien Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or Bright. Um 
<laughs> Let's stick with alienation. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it looks interesting. I know one of our, of our joint friends that we played D and D with uh, either got it or is going to get it. Um, and I, I look forward to hearing what he has to say about it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of memes uh, on on Facebook about uh, people getting angry about it. Uh, mm-hmm. be- like like the the fascists getting angry about it. Um, oh, of course. Because uh, they had previously been playing the other games under the assumption of human superiority over other species. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're also like an intergalactic, like, or not intergalactic, but like international, like, fighting force. Like, that That game is not super duper fashy. It's not, um, but it, it's, it, very, it's, it's globalist. Fascists will will corrupt. Programming. Fascists will ruin anything if they get their hand, grubby hands on it. Okay. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know necessarily about playing as cops, but the idea of playing as like these this kind of integrated force in post post revolutionary Earth. I don't know. It's something to look for look at at least. Yeah. Uh, it's called oh. XCOM Chimera Squad. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that kind of brings me back to an episode of DS9 that we watched, actually, because we've talked about Odo. Mm-hmm. Um, Film noir Odo sleeping no, with the ex No, no, the one about um, when Odo was security chief under the uh, under the Cardassians. Oh yeah, because they do they do a really good episode where it's like. <clears throat> like the Bajorans have given Odo like this this major award. Like look at they they will go to a conference looking at the Cardassian com- uh, occupation, and they're like, Odo, you're so great. Like you only care about justice. You don't care who's in charge. You only care about what's right and wrong. And then they go into like this weird like oh shared like... dreamscape yeah. thing where you find out like Odo did some really well he did one really fucked up thing under the Cardassian occupation that still haunts him um and basically it's like well it was fucked up but it was also one of those things where it was like he was under a time crunch and he was under a lot of pressure and I don't know yeah but it was like it basically ends with like four innocent people getting executed yeah um, and, and that part does suck. <laughs> and it basically, like, leads Odo to this huge, like, crisis of conscience of, like, how many other times have I been involved in something like this? Yeah. Like, oh, God, DS9 is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I, I, it's one of those things where was, you would never have put Picard in that position. Yeah. You never would have put Riker. I don't think really ever gets in that position. Where, like, they have to acknowledge that they fucked up. Well, they might have been put in that really position, really. but it's like, no, actually, I was right the entire time. If you look at this hand-waving, <laughs> you will see that I'm actually the hero. Um, whereas DS9's like, oh, no, you fucked up and made mistakes and you have to live with them. Um, I don't know. That's what's great about DS9. I also had another thought, but I think my gin and tonic took it away. No. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so I've been playing playing XCOM. I've been playing Phoenix Wright. 
I've been spending a lot of time just staring at Facebook, of course. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I came across on Facebook is a, a like a family, like a loose collective of uh, fan sites for like late '90s, early 2000s animated films. Okay. So, like, there's one for the Prince of Egypt, like, Prince of Egypt posting, there's, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Road to El Dorado, you know, uh, Lilo and Stitch, you know, all these, all these kind of late 90s, early 2000s ones. And the one that I've been paying the most attention to is about Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, because something just kind of... Something that can only happen in the age of social media happened, which is on this like randomly created fan site, the writer of the movie joins and starts releasing like early scripts and or, like not scripts, but like early like story ideas. Yeah. Uh, and like eventually has an interview, like a live streamed interview. So I was watching this live interview with Tab, I think his name is Tab Murphy, the the writer for uh, Atlantis: The Lost Empire, and also I think he wrote, um, uh, what is it with Quasimodo? Um, oh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, he wrote the Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, screen uh, play screenplay for uh, the Disney movie, and so is he was talking about like answering people's questions about it, talking about his experiences you know, coming up with the ideas and, like, what drove him to do it. It was really cool to see that, like, in live stream format um, <laughs> on a random Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, just, I think, peak peak uh, COVID-19 uh, culture right there. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. Yeah. It's something that could only happen under this specific set of circumstances we find ourselves in yeah so and then and then the group got taken over by ants so you know that's that's how it be because there's also that facebook group where we all pretend to be ants yeah Um, you've not seen this no i've been spared (laughs) yeah there's a facebook group where everyone is pretending to be ants in a hive or yeah are you a part of it I'm not a part of it, but I've seen enough of it where I'm like, yeah, I get what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it too, but uh, but like they they came in and they get all over the place and and they're all like, they're all like attack, attack, invade, and they like t- type one set one word orders. That's up. It's it's fine. It's just ants. Don't worry about it. Put some traps down. It'll be fine. They found this dead butterfly on the ground. Ugh. Lift. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you've missed out on this, Elise. This is the, this is the new like this is the new cultural touchstone touch, uh, touchstone for our generation. No, I think I'm I think I'm fine. I don't know. I'm in a bunch of like professional groups on Facebook, so I'd be like really pissed if somebody like infiltrated that. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Like I don't want to go to like my you know. Business gromp. Gromp. Gromp? Your gromp. business gromp? What? Yeah, you gromp. know what I meant. Yeah, like G-R-O-N-P, like the gromp. I have no idea what the fuck that is, Elise. I, this is a, it's a thing that people say on the internet, okay? Like, it's, I'm I think not she, crazy. She means gromp. Gromp. I, okay. Yeah, we're professionals being professionals. 
I don't want fucking ants in there. Okay. <laughs> Do you want ants? Because this is how you get ants. <laughs> Flip this table, and this podcast will be over. <laughs> If you are a member of the Everybody Pretends to Be Ants Facebook group and want to invade our Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page at Some Nerds Have a Some Nerds Have a Facebook. Oh. <laughs> what, is what, what is it, sweetie? It's just <laughs> Some Nerds Have a Podcast. Uh, I, I thought it was Some Nerds Have a Fan Page at some point, but I think we changed the, the name. I made you change it because I was like, no, this is we need to get people. We, we need to be we need to be professional. We need to be professional <laughs> no, glompers. I everything. I make you two be grown ups. I'm the worst. Yes. So come to our Facebook page, which is super professional with Where we don't pretend to be ants. Unless you want us to. We can start doing yeah. that. Super super professional with our Garfield header. Um <laughs> Uh, or visit Look, us we're, on... we're info what is it? Uh info engagement or whatever. <laughs> or visit us on Twitter at we have a nerdcast. Entergagement. Entertainment. Enter entergagement? Yeah, it is entertaining and engaging. If you say so. <laughs> but uh But yeah, so so is there anything else? Because I, I have done that, and I've I've done, like, a lot of XCOM and a lot of Phoenix Wright, so I haven't done a whole lot of much else. Yeah. No, um, I think that's pretty much it. I think we're basically kind of looking forward to playing uh, Killing Floor 2 together. Yeah, um, uh, maybe after we hit the, the, the end button on this? Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. All right, uh, we'll see if other people are around. All right, but uh, you all will have to wait another two weeks to hear about our take on that. Uh, so is there anything else that anyone wants to talk about before we kind of sign off? It's getting kind of late out here. I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm Nick. I believe. And there are some nerds of a podcast. Thank you all for listening and good night. Not ever.